Rockstar Podcast, Light with Lorenzo. Episode 1, Mike Walton, Elite Entertainment. Hello, and welcome to Rockstar Podcast, Light. Episode 2, but it's really episode 1. Had I hit the record button, it would have worked well. Before I even introduce who I have here, I'm going to see if I get this correct. His name is Mike Walter. Mike wanted to be an umpire. He held uh, he held a DJ. Let me make sure, Mike, let me get this correct. You held a brochure for a DJ and an umpire, and you chose to be a DJ, right? That is correct, man. You must have read my book, Lorenzo. I listened to your book, and I don't know what we're talking about. What book? Red book, I, audio book. I wanted to have the full, the full Monty, as they say, but not really. So I listened to you for five hours straight. Wow. All right, I don't now, even think my mom has ever listened to me for five hours straight. That's nice of you. Now, I know you guys are listening. You're like, what, what is this audio quality? Listen, Tony is the audio man here. I am not the audio guy. I, I like to think that uh, maybe I bring a little bit of the comedy to it, and I bring some of the content as well. So the audio might not be great on my end, but I can tell you my first guest, Mike Walter, who if you don't know, you'll learn a little bit about him as we speak. Now, Mike, we did the intro first, and I did a much better job, so clearly it's luck and not talent for me. <laughs> but with that said, let me see if I got this right. You wanted to, like I said, you wanted to be an umpire or and a DJ. You went to Connecticut School of Broadcasting. You grew up in Queens. You're a jazz fan, fitness enthusiast. You loved or liked the video Chocolate Rain, and you're a New York Mets fan, but then we part where? At the NFL. Yeah. You, go, you go Cowboys, I go Giants. That's, that's correct. And we both hate the Eagles. We both hate the Eagles, correct? We can agree on hating the Eagles and hating the Red. I, I actually marginally hate the Redskins slightly more than the Eagles, believe it or not. So, um, that, yeah, that's how I roll in the NFL. The, the yeah. Redskins are like the, the, the step-headed, uh, red-headed uh, stepchild. Well, the whole Cowboys, the whole Cowboys-Indians thing goes bad. I mean, Cowboys and Redskins are... I think they're one of the great rivalries in yes. all of sports. And, and uh, I've actually seen that rivalry three times and very happy to say the Cowboys have won all three times. So I've been very, I've been very fortunate picking the games when I've gone to see them. Yes. Now, those. before we get into speaking with you directly, since this is my initial bro- uh, podcast, I should say that I'm going to try and do this weekly uh, as part of Rockstar Podcast where I'm going to interview for about a half hour industry leaders, uh, business-wise, but uh, I know Mike has some chops with business. He's in the entertainment industry in New Jersey, DJ entertainment industry. Uh, can I say weddings primarily? Yeah, it's primarily weddings. You can okay. say that. Sure. And uh, you've had a few years in this industry, so it's not like you're not only an entertainer, but you're also a businessman, to say. Uh, so you have that side of it, which I think, as far as I'd like to talk about is a lot of the marketing stuff. I know mm-hmm. that you deal with... Uh, Many employees, 27, is that correct? Uh, well, we have anywhere from 20 to 35 okay. uh, that I'm cutting payroll for. This is, We're in a busy season right now, so it's been over 30 for quite a while, yes. Okay, and you also have a book that just came out, which I we spoke about and I listened mm-hmm. to five hours, uh, and you can find that at djmikewalter.com. Yeah. Singular, however, <laughs> if you do go to djmikewalters.com, you'll find the same great you'll stuff. You'll find me too. It's, it's always been one of my pet peeves that people want to pluralize my last name. So uh, a good friend of mine helped me put the website together, and he said, you know, Mike, for the extra 10 bucks a year, if you're going to get djmikewalter.com, you might as well get djmikewalters.com. And so I did. And so both, uh, whichever one you type into your URL will direct you right to my site. Okay. 
Mike, tell me about your philosophy on business. Just, uh, I know you use the one that you speak about uh, where luck ends and action begins. Just like your concept on talent in a business and having right. the multifaceted ability to deal with clients, whoever it may be, and also be creative and do what you do. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, the whole luck thing is, is, is something I, I wrote about in the book, and, and I, I speak about it sometimes in seminars. I mean, listen, I understand that there are things in life that, are, that you can chalk up to luck, but I, I think the concern there is if you chalk up too much of your own success or failure, and more importantly, anybody else's success or failure to luck, then it kind of excuses you and it, from your actions, and it, and it, it kind, of, kind of makes it seem like this is all a crapshoot, and whether you wind up to be Donald Trump or homeless, it's all a matter of fate and luck. And, and I completely disagree with that. And, and I point to a few examples in my life where, you know, I specifically took action. And so something good came from that. I use uh, in my book, I use an example of a, of a 5K race that I ran a number of years ago. And I did, I thought I did fairly well in the race. So I stuck around. Uh, after the race was over, I thought I might get a medal, so I stuck around for the award presentation. And as soon as the award presentation started, um, the director of uh, recreation in Eatontown was the guy leading it. Good-looking guy, personable, funny, comfortable on a microphone, all these things that I consider to be great traits in a, in a possible DJ, and he had them. And so I forgot about whether I, I was going to win a medal or not. P.S. I didn't. But I stuck around after the, the uh, award presentation, introduced myself to him, and uh, bottom line is he's been a DJ for me for five years, great talent, uh, everything else. So that's one of those stories. Was I lucky to run the race that morning? Yes, I was. But after that, luck ends, and, and my plan of action, which one of the things is you're always going to meet talent in life, so have your eyes open and be aware, and then be able to approach people when you see them and meet them. All of that stuff took over, and, and so I don't chalk a lot of my success in life up to luck. And luck. Now, you, you, I've heard you, or we've spoken about the Branch Ricky comment where yes. it's the residue. He considers right. it the residue, almost like you said, it's the leftover. It's, it, it's just the, at the bottom of, of the barrel where it's the least most important thing. It might get you to a position, but how you handle that position, how you handle that uh, moment, that's not luck. Yeah, when I was put when I was putting the seminar together, I, I always was familiar with the Branch Ricky quote, but I thought he said luck is the product of design, which which makes it seem like you know you plan a little bit and then you got to get lucky. But when I looked up the quote just to verify it, I was surprised he said luck is the residue of design, which to me makes it even even less consequential. Luck has so little to do with it. He was all about Branch Ricky was all about plan plan, plan, and that's going to make it succeed. And as I talk about in my seminar, Branch Rickey lived his life that way. He was, when he was, when he was the general manager of the Cardinals, he was one of the first general managers in Major League Baseball to say, hey, you know what, we should have some minor league teams where we could prepare our talent. And I mean, think about that now, you know, six centuries, six decades later, that's a standard. Every team has a minor league system to develop talent. So, Including uh, our team, which has... Uh... <laughs> well, but, you could argue the Mets have four, including yes. the uh, major league team, is uh, is kind of a quadruple A, I guess you could call it. Yes, yes. Now, I've also uh, listened to you speak about optimism, which I know that is something that you are. You're an optimistic person, and you enjoy having optimistic people around you. And it made me think about 
the I go back to sports and I think about the Rex Ryan New York Jets style head coaching where he's overtly optimistic and mm-hmm. then you get the Bill Parcells style who says you know you'll see him in, after a game that they would have won for the New York Giants 35 to 3 and he would have said ah we sucked you know how we let up three points there's the other side of it and I just wonder if in your field of wedding entertainment in that industry the optimism plays out much more because you want everybody to be happy but as a businessman I gotta wonder if sometimes you gotta say to yourself not that you're not optimistic but you gotta have that cranky side of you to push you to do other things as well yeah I, I think it's I think it's two different things I mean Bill Parcells is a, is the consummate motivator uh, very similar to uh, Jimmy Johnson when he when he um, coached the Dallas Cowboys and and they always look for opportunities uh, to motivate their staff now, me being an optimist, I don't think I lack any motivation. I think I'm actually pretty good at, at, at taking a look at my staff, and what I've done is tried to, tried to figure out what each person's buttons are. Some people really need to be coddled, and especially when you're dealing with talent. Um, some people really need to be pushed and, and, but coddled in a very positive way, and then some people, you have to get in their faces and say, hey, man, you've got to be better than that. You've got to step up. But I don't think that has a lot to do with optimism. That's just managing talent and, and trying to figure out how to motivate people. To me, the optimistic side comes in. I just would prefer to work with people and, and network with people, too, and, and be sociable with people, too, who, at the end of the day, just believe that it's going to be that the outcome of most situations are going to be for the better rather than for the worse. I'm not a woe is me kind of guy, and I see no advantage in predicting doom and gloom just to say I told you so. To me, there's no advantage. I'm with you on that. You brought up Jimmy Johnson, and I would always think about, and I agreed with, he felt that you treated his team, he treated his players differently. He didn't believe in everybody's equal, everybody gets treated exactly the same. He felt, you know, Michael Irvin, if he missed a practice, he's Michael Irvin versus your fourth wide receiver. And in today's day and age of everybody getting a reward for everything, for just participating... It, you know, I, I, I battled between that. I don't have any employees, but, you know, in handling clients, you have certain clients you might handle differently than other clients. And I think being afraid to say, you know what, he brings me more, or this person is more talented, I am going to treat them differently. They need to be coddled or not coddled, button pushing and stuff like that. I think that's important value that a business owner should have. Yeah, you know, as much as a, a Mets fan as I am, I read Joe Torrey's <laughs> book a number of years ago. Um, and he talked about it too. You know, the rules have to apply for everybody, but but how you treat people can vary based on a their personality and b what they mean to your organization. And and I don't have any problem with treating one of my ten year veterans who makes the phone ring and is pretty much a superstar with Elite Entertainment. I don't have a problem treating that person differently than you know a fairly new music mixer who may or may not have much of an impact on the staff. Not that I'm going to step all over the new guy, but he's not going to be afforded uh, some of the leeway that I'm going to give my superstar, and that's just reality, and I have no problem saying it. Right. You also, and I'm going to allude to the audiobook. you spoke about how, I guess when you, well, actually, how did you first start getting into this? Just give me a quick minute, because I have a follow-up that I want to go with. In the, in the DJ business. Yeah, department. yeah. Uh, I, I, I did go to broadcasting school in the late 80s, and I was thinking about getting into radio, and a company called Star DJs, which was fairly big at the time, but got much bigger uh, in the four or five years I was with them. They had a, an agreement with the people at Connecticut School of Broadcasting to come in and, and basically recruit and, and basically talk to us about mobile DJing. I had never, at that point, I was 22, 
and I never thought about mobile DJing whatsoever, and I was intrigued by it. And one of the things that intrigued me was I had pretty much been told for four months at Connecticut School of Broadcasting that if you want to break into radio, you're going to have to be ready to make next to nothing and move to bum F Idaho or wherever and, and get your start. And I just really wasn't willing to do that. And here was an opportunity to stay in the tri-state area and, P.S., make some pretty decent money. So I, I started at Star, and I worked for them for about four and a half years before I left and, and uh, partnered up with uh, Eric Keller at Elite Entertainment. Now, when you started that, you told a story about how you guys, I guess, were talking about how great this was. We're sitting home. We're working. And then, I guess, at some point, you went and got an office. Yeah, so Eric and I, when, when I partnered with Eric, it was, what, 1993, and he was... At, at the time, it was just him and another guy, and he was running the business out of his house. And so I became a partner, and we, we started building the company a little bit here, a little bit there. But neither one of us, I'll be honest with you, really that motivated. I was at the time trying to become an author. I, I had written a fictional book, and I was trying to get it published. And, and he was doing some other things. And we really, we almost were growing elite entertainment by accident. And I, I tell this story during the book that it was the OJ trial that really made both Eric and I say, what the F are we doing? We got to get serious about this because literally we would sit there in his living room and watch that OJ trial. I watched that OJ trial as much as Judge Ito did. <laughs> and uh, the ironic part was I was dating a, a, a DA from Philadelphia at the time. So I would say at least three or four times during the day, I would call her and be like, oh, Lauren, they just did a motion about this. Can you tell me what this means? What do you mean by this suppressing evidence? And, I was so into the trial, but we finally just looked at each other and said, we got to get serious. And at that point, it meant moving the, the business out of his house. And that, for me, was the kick in the butt. Now, maybe some people are more disciplined to run a business at her house. God bless them. I'm just not. When I'm home, I'm in relaxed mode. And when I'm in my office, I'm in work mode. So I kind of needed the office to, to get that kick in the butt. Were you, so you're, is it safe to say that you're into the whole life-work balance on some level where different times of the bit I mean when you're first starting out a business it's hard to have that especially sure. and then yeah. you get older and you start saying you know what well you're, a, you're you've been established now for a good 15 20 years correct yeah yeah were you like that even in the beginning where you had that idea or did you realize it later on no it's it's taken me once I got into my 40s I think I started really appreciating the the balance that you need to strike in life but I, I also think that that's a natural progression of life I think when you you're in your 20s and 30s. You get that's the time of your life where you should be working your butt off and building your career and and building something for yourself, so that when you get into your 40s and, and believe me, I still work hard and and I still bring home a pretty decent paycheck. But I've I've come to realize the importance of you know my own personal time and like you say balance. And you you alluded in the opening about the fitness and I do a lot of running. I don't know how people train for a marathon who have nine to five full-time jobs because I don't think I could do it. I, you know, I have a lot of flexibility in my schedule. You know, Lorenzo, I'm always yeah. calling me asking me to go to Met games, you know, yes, yes. I, I appreciate that, that flexibility in my schedule. And I, I don't think I could, I, you know, I talk about this with Kelly every once in a while. I don't think I could go back. If I ever had to go back to working for somebody and having a strict schedule, it'd, it'd be really hard, you know? Well, what, now you're at a point where you have, is, you might have control over your schedule or a better control over your schedule. Yeah. Is there something that's burning that you want to do? Not that you would, not that the guys at Elite don't want you around or anything, but right. you know, um, <laughs> but is there like that second win now that you're saying, you know, I always wanted to do this or maybe I want to do, this. I know you did the book now with the audio book. Well, the book was a 
big thing. I, you know, I have written articles for trade publications for years, and uh, and people have said to me, "Oh, you should write a book." You know, you should. and so that was a big thing for me last year. And to be honest with you, I still have on my my dream list someday to, to write a fictional novel too, because um, I, I wrote one and it didn't get sold. It got, I got an agent um, and it never got sold uh, to a publishing house. But I'd, I'd like to take another crack at that someday. Okay. You know? Now going back to the wedding industry, do you still enjoy it? Do you still the actual? Do you still get the vibe when you're there and you're about to go I and do intros? And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I don't do as many weddings as I used to do. I used to do 100 to 120 weddings a year, and I think more than more than a third of those weddings I did because I had to do them. And I did a great job, and the brides loved me, but I didn't I didn't do those weddings because I wanted to. I did them because I had to. But now I do 40 to 50 weddings a year, and I enjoy doing them. You know, once a weekend, you know, have a weekend off, and and then do one. It's it's a nice schedule now, and I I would miss. I would miss performing if I ever had to give it up 100%. But I like the fact now that I don't have to burn out with the number of weddings that I do. Okay. But you're still, I mean, you're in the office during the week as well. It's not like you just uh, sleep all oh, weekend. Yeah. yeah, just to I clarify. Run, I run the, the whole back end of my company. I'm, I don't love sales, so I have delegated sales uh, to, I have two fantastic salespeople who work for me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, along with Corey Fox, who, who helps me, uh, I mean, we run the entire back end of a 1,200 event a year um, company, so it's a lot. I mean, Mondays, you know, I ask you to do this podcast at 4 o'clock on a Monday because I'm pretty much doing payroll all right. day on Monday until now. So, yes, yeah, I have a busy schedule. Okay. And as far as you said, you mentioned sales, as far as the marketing, just to touch a little bit on the newer trends like Facebook and Twitter and social media and things, where are you with that? Do you, are you actively using it? Do you... Is it a necessary evil for you? Where are you with it? I wouldn't say it's a necessary evil. We are, I think we're doing a good job. I think we could be doing a better job. Um, seeing the seminar in Atlantic City that the Hurricane Production guys did uh, gave us some pointers about things to do. But I was also very happy that during that seminar, I was sitting next to Dominic Cicito, who's my sales manager. And there were a couple of things that I went, oh, that's a great idea. We should do that. And he goes, we already are. So that, that, that made me feel good. And, you know, that's one of those things I've delegated. I've delegated that to Dominic and Chris, who do my sales, and said, you know, they're younger than me. They're, they're a little bit closer to that millennial age group. And I said, you know, just get on top of this social media stuff so that we're maximizing. You know? the, the social media thing gets to be tricky because, I like, where are your thoughts on an owner being having their own account on Facebook and Twitter versus the company and how they portray themselves because, I, look, you're in an industry where you deal with a lot of brides, right. and I know you to be candid, and there are certain thoughts that you may have. So do you feel like you need to, I don't want to say monitor yourself, but you're out there. You know, people oh, represent Lorenzo, yourself. without a doubt. My personal Facebook page, I, I only have one past bride on there. Okay. She, when I was first getting my account set up, and I really, at, this was like four years ago, I really didn't know what Facebook was going to become at the time. I accepted her as a friend, and she's cool. I mean, she, she doesn't think I'm a jerk for some of the things I say, but I right. use my personal Facebook page, yeah, to, to, you know, I love holding people's feet to the fire about some issues, and I mean, all you need to do is talk about gay marriage, and you can get right. about 80 uh, responses on a topic, but um, I would not do that with the Elite Entertainment Facebook page. You know, there, 
I try to be a little bit more politically correct, and we, you know, we just avoid any kind of controversy on on the elite entertainment Facebook page. Whereas on my own, I've got a lot of friends in the industry, but not not brides and, and vendors and things like that. Well, that's where it's interesting in New, in the New Jersey market in the DJ industry, you have that crossover where you have, you know, you see guys at a DJ expo and you're friends with them, but mm-hmm. on the other hand, where do you put them in your world because you you know, it, it, it's a it's it's a fine line uh, between right. the two. Well, but, you know, I pretty much accept on on Twitter. Although I mean, I don't know you don't accept people on Twitter; they follow you. But right. on Twitter and on Facebook, I have accepted pretty much anybody uh, who who is in the DJ industry because you know I I market to the DJ industry. I've, I I knew I had the book coming out and everything else. So, um, but along with that comes some people on Facebook. You know, I, I've always hated the fact that Facebook calls them friends. Because you accept people that, let's face it, I've got some quote-unquote friends on Facebook that I've never even met. Right. right. And it came up uh, a number of weeks ago on Facebook. I made a joke about Casey Anthony, which I just thought was a fairly, you know, harmless joke. Right. But right. one of, but somebody on Facebook who I didn't even really know, but it was an industry person, was offended by it and unfriended me, and you know, said, "Oh, I can't believe somebody as a leader in the industry would say something like that." So that to me was a perfect example of if you're going to be honest in social media, you're going to turn some people off. I mean, you and I both listen to Howard Stern and, right. and you know, we talk about enjoying his sense of humor, but let's face it. I mean, He's not for Howard Stern turns people off. Not a, you know, some people are disgusted by Howard Stern. Some people find him hilarious. So if you're going to be honest in these mediums, I, I think you're going to wind up, some people are going to love it and some people are going to go, wow, I don't really appreciate that kind of sense of humor. You know, I, I mean, I enjoy the transparency of it, but I think also when you, become friends with someone uh, that you are in a business world with them, you can't always, I, I think, in other words, if I, I'm friends with you on Facebook, I don't hold you to the same, we're not in the same uh, area there when we're on Facebook. I don't expect you to act necessarily on Facebook the way you would in front of a bride and groom. Right. Not to say that you you know, you know you wear a tux in front of a bride and groom and on Facebook you're drunk every day broadcasting yourself. Right. Not that you have those extremes, but you know, you're a person and I don't expect you to write about Casey Anthony on your elite page, but if you have that idea on your personal page under Mike Walter, I have to also take into account that that's where we are. You know, I, right. I, I shouldn't hold it. It's not personal. It's business logic, I right. guess, uh, as they said. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so you are a jazz fan, correct? I, I listen to a, a lot of jazz. You know, I like jazz when, um, especially when I'm writing, because I, I get distracted by any lyric. Okay. <laughs> so if I'm trying to write something or read, like if I'm reading a book and there are lyrics going on now, I've got two thoughts in my head and I get distracted. So I love to throw on a little Miles Davis or, okay. or uh, you know, just something background. And, and I feel the rhythm of it, but I'm not paying attention to the lyrics. Okay. You know, right, would you say you're more of an entertain? Like, are you a music fan or is it that you're you like the entertainment and entertaining people and the music part is what comes with it? No, I'm a, I'm a music fan. I don't know the music trivia the way a lot of people do, um, but I am. I, I mean, I can't. You know, I do a lot of running. I I right. can't run without music. Sometimes I, I need to have that escape. Uh, if I'm driving in the car, I need to have the the radio on, whether it's talk radio or music. So I, I do. I love music. I'm going to see Journey uh, two nights from now. I, I love con- especially live music. I love going to concerts. Right. So if you could have a pod, uh, an iPod where it's only Prince, or you can have another iPod where it's Every, anything else you want but Prince. Which one? Oh, you that's not fair, Lorenzo. What a horrible question. What? That's like saying, do I want to cut off my right arm or my left arm? No, that's like saying, that's like saying you either want to get married or you don't want to get married. 
Well, I would have to take the iPod with no print. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, you're asking me to get. Listen, I love the Beatles. I love the Rolling right, right. Stones. You're asking me to give up all of that stuff. And the bottom line with Prince is, I know his his music is in my DNA. So right, if I right. never listened to another Prince song my whole life, I'd still, I could still sing along to him. You know what I mean? that you're a music guy because yeah. you chose music over the yeah. one solo artist. Well, that was a tough question. Wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, let me follow up with one more. Uh, tough question, supposedly. If I told you you could either be a talented entertainer in the logic of one talent or be a someone who is a master of none but talented in many facets of business. So you're good at, you're okay at sales, you're okay at entertaining, blah blah blah. Or you could be just the one talented sales guy or the one talented entertainer. Which do you, not which do you prefer, but what do you think is more viable in business? I think the more viable thing is to be really, really good at one or two things. Okay. Uh, because with that, first of all, you become an expert in certain areas. Right. And right. also, I, you know, just like doctors, may, you know, general practitioner does not make as much as, as somebody who specializes, a specialist in certain medicine. I think it's the same way in almost every profession. If you are average to good at everything, you're going you're gonna to be able to make a living, but you're really not going to stand out. But if you are exceptional at one or two things in your life, then and, and hopefully those are things that you can make money at, then I, I think that's going to make you more successful. Okay. I'll tell you, I, I took a lot of good things from your audiobook. One thing that I don't even know if it was in an audiobook. I don't know if you did it at a keynote. I th you talked about how when the client is sitting in front of you and they don't, you know, if you d are not informed about what you need to talk to them about you'll always hear the client ask you what's the cost and usually it's because they don't know what to ask you right which you know to me it might sound like a simple concept but it was profound to me and it stuck with me when i heard you say that because it's true they like when i as a designer usually within the first two questions is what's the cost not because they're necessarily you think to yourself oh they're cheap or they're, they're they don't know what to ask yeah, I, I hear DJs complain about that all the time. That oh, the first question out of people's mouths is, is what's the cost? And well, obviously, I mean, think about when when the last time you tried to call a service that you really aren't that familiar with. You know, yeah, right? What what else are you gonna ask? You don't know. You're not informed enough to ask. So, a, I think DJs need to get over the problem with it. Just quote your price. I mean, you should be proud of your price. It's, you know, your price. I, hopefully, everyone sets their price where. It's a good enough dollar that you can make a living, but that at the end of the day, your clients get good value. And right, if you believe right. in your price that way, then you should be proud to, whether it's $400 or, or $4,000, you should be proud to quote your price and then back it up with explaining how you're worth it and, and why the investment is worth it for the client. So I, I, I think I must have talked about that in the book because I, you know, we do get asked that question just like every other company does, just quote it, you know? Yeah, and it, 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 it was, like I said, to me it was profound because when you hear someone ask for a price right away, you automatically think, oh, they're just, you know, they're, that's all they care about. And right. in essence, it could just be that they don't know what else to ask. And if you're not informing them or providing them with dialogue and it gets quiet, they don't know what to say, but what is the price? So right. I thought right. that was pretty cool that you said that. That Thanks. and the fact that you're a Mets fan, Rock, <laughs> uh, and what do you got for the Cowboys coming up? You, you thinking good thoughts this year? You know, I'm not uh, optimistic. Uh, I mean, I, you said I was optimistic, but I'm not looking forward to the season for the Cowboys. We didn't do a lot during the offseason, um, and uh, I, I don't know. I, I could be pleasantly surprised, but I have a feeling we're going to miss the playoffs. I think we're going to be about an 8-8, eight 9-7 eight, 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 team. 
Okay. Uh, so we'll see if they if they pleasantly surprise me. They open up opening night against the Jets uh, in the Meadowlands. So uh, I'm thinking about trying to get a ticket to that game. I know it's an expensive ticket to get, but when they're when the when the Cowboys are 40 miles from my house, it's very hard to resist going to see them. Oh, but, and as a Giant fan, you guys come in droves. But that day yeah. is that and that game is on 9/11. Yes, that's right. Which, uh, uh, Sunday night, September 11th. You're right. Yes. Stirred up a little bit of controversy, saying. Can you believe we're... Lorenzo 10th anniversary this year of 9/11? Isn't that uh, amazing? It, it, you know, it's nice to think that that only 10 years went by. But then I'm like, wow, 10 years went by. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. it's a catch 22. But uh, yes, the Cowboy fans do show up at I will call it Giant Stadium still uh, in, <laughs> in droves. And I would imagine that, uh, you know, at Giant games, the Giant fans are pretty laid back when it comes to the Cowboy fans talking and doing their chant. At a Jet game, it's a, I, I would imagine it's going to be a little bit different. I, I will If I go to a Giants-Cowboys game, I have no problem wearing right. Cowboys memorabilia. And uh, if the Cowboys are doing well, standing up and cheering, I will not do that at, at an Eagles game. I will not do that at a Jets game because uh, I do not want to take my life into my own hands. And, you know, we're, we're half kidding, but if you follow the news, yeah. you know, the, the, the San Francisco Giants had a, had a baseball fan it happened to earlier in the year. And just this past weekend, it happened at a, at a Raiders 49ers yes. preseason game. A yes. preseason. Imagine, it's not even regular season and they're shooting people in the park. <laughs> well, now there's only three preseason games, so the stress apparently well, is much okay. more. So, the, so, they're getting, uh, so they're getting ready for the regular season. It's just crazy to me, so what, it's not worth it. What we no. learned basically from that is that if you – basically if you wear green and white and on the East Coast, you, those teams are – you know, they're, the group of fans – Mike, you know it's to be true. They're just they're – just, they're yeah. just less sophisticated. Yeah. They're they're just barbarians. Those people. Uh, uh, I would agree that about Eagles fans. They they booed Michael Irvin when he was on the uh, on the ground paralyzed. In, uh, <laughs> they booed Eagles. Santa Claus for Christ's sake. That, that's true. They they, they, they they booed Santa Claus. So yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, Boy, I'm not selling any books to Eagles or Redskins fans with this interview, am I? <laughs> no, but you know they those fans can't read anyway. I mean, oh, realistic. you know, you know. Oh, come on, you, you know. Uh, so I, I like to think of the giant fan as a little bit elitist. I, ironically, I'm speaking to Mike of EliteEntertainment.com and uh, of DJMikeWalter.com for the audiobook or the book. I suggest the audiobook, Mike. I'm a guy who likes to listen. Plus, it's you that says it, who reads the book. So what else could you ask for? Five hours of Mike Walter. I did. You know, somebody pointed out that I, I make the point in the book that one of the reasons I, I became a DJ is that I love the sound of my own voice. And <laughs> when, I, when I became a mobile DJ, I really liked the whole like, here's your voice booming through a big sound system. And a friend of mine pointed out to me, well, so it, it makes sense that you read your own audio book because uh, <laughs> who else would I have? It's not like I was going to hire somebody to read it. You know, I, I love my own voice, so I read it. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, I could tell you it's a very good listen. Uh, in closing, one last thing. Who are the one or two people that you like to follow business-wise? Um, in, in our industry yeah, or outside? Or no, anything, well, as business. It doesn't have to be in the industry, well, no. I... I um, I'm subscribed to Seth Godin's uh, blog, and I get an email from him every morning, uh, sometimes two, that to me are thought-provoking. I don't agree with every single one of them, but uh, I, I think those are tremendous. So that's a guy that I've read a couple of his books. I read his, his uh, blog post every single morning, and uh, he really makes me stop and think. Um, you know, within our industry, Randy Bartlett uh, from Sacramento is, to me, one of those guys that he knows so much about performing, not really the business end of this uh, business, but 
the performing end of this business. I think if you're going to learn from anybody as a mobile DJ, Randy Bartlett is a, a guy that you should you should look seek out and, and listen to. Okay, cool. Mike, thank you very much for this. Uh, I'm going to be doing this weekly, and I appreciate and, and humble to have you as my number one uh, and first guest on the Well, Rockstar thank you very much. I, I like being on Rockstar Light, and uh, I appreciate you making me your first guest. It was awesome. All right. Thank you, Mike. That's uh, Rockstar Podcast number one light. Thank you. Bye.